0: Welcome to Weekend in Drama Land, the official podcast of it started with the KDrama.com. We are dedicated Asian drama lovers that are ready to spread our wings and bring our love for dramas to a whole new media platform. Together we watch a blend of Korean, Chinese, Taiwanese, Japanese, and Thai dramas, on occasion Filipino dramas as well. As best friends in real life, it's only fitting that we get to share our love for crazy tropes, chocolate abs, killer OSTs, and so much more with all of you. So sit back, relax, close your eyes, and let
1: us guide you through the world of all things Asian dramas. I'm your host, Andrea. And I'm your co-host, Tiff. As a disclaimer, we're native English speakers. While we're expert drama watchers, we are not expert speakers with other languages. We are bound to fail at some pronunciations, so please don't mind our mistakes too much. We will strive to do our best and learn from our errors. In time, we are confident we'll improve. Today's episode is entitled Maiden Voyage. As this is our first podcast, we hope you don't mind that we'll be talking about our humble beginnings with K-dramas, and we'll also be touching base on a little bit with Busted and even what's wrong with Secretary Kim
0: okay so this is andrea as far as humble beginnings if you follow my blog it started with a k drama i started watching roughly about four years ago when i discovered k dramas on netflix my very first drama was actually playful kiss which was quite an interesting drama to start with it was a little a little weird and a little out there i don't know tiff did you ever watch that one no,
1: I haven't. Um, my first one was Rooftop Prince. It was on Netflix. Oh yes, that was the one that I
0: recommended for you to watch.
1: Yes, yeah, as my uh, first experience
0: with K dramas. <laughs> yeah, with the four princes with the different colored jumpsuits. Those jumpsuits! Oh my gosh, I was laughing hysterically. <laughs> Yep, so that was the first drama that Tiff really saw and started sending her down the rabbit hole. Uh, indeed. It's all begun from there. <laughs> yep. After Playful Kiss, I actually uh, segued into Boys Over Flowers. Oh, God. Because in the drama community, that's really where you were really hearing about F4 and Lee Minho Ho. And all these crazy cast of characters. And I had no idea what I was getting into. But I think if I had started with that drama,
1: I don't know. I might have been a little traumatized. A little! (laughs) That was also my second one. And by the end of that series, I thought I was going to die. There was just so much everything. Like, every trope you can think of, I'm pretty sure was in it. And it was excruciating by the end. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted to quit watching it for a while, be- like K drums in general, because it was just too much. Yeah, it was too crazy
0: and over dramatic and even melodramatic, you know, with the back and forth, with our leads, and, you know, with the fact that he's rich and she's poor which we come
1: to learn is a very popular trope in Korean dramas. Mm-hmm. Although, originally, it wasn't even Korean. It was a manga. So it was kind of interesting how they took the story, which, of course, is manga's Japanese. And twisted it into something even more painful than the manga. But I can credit for that. Like, they really ramped up everything.
0: Yeah, I think the first adaption was actually in the early 2000s. I think that was, what was that, Meteor Garden? It was a Taiwanese.
1: It might have been. I don't recall.
0: Yeah, but Voiceover Over Flowers was just a little too much. Yeah, you had fun and you really got into the crazy world with all the different tropes and really set up a lot. But I, I don't know. It, it definitely wasn't my favorite and Even Playful Kiss really wasn't my favorite. It wasn't until I really segued into City Hunter, because I was really curious about Lee Minho after seeing Boys Over Flowers, even though his character was pretty awful and, you know, really evil in the the beginning.
1: Yeah. I saw that too, after you told me to watch it. Yeah,
0: I think... City Hunter was really my favorite out of those first three. So I was kind of glad that I went into the more of
1: the action. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what did I see after that? I know you've seen like way more than I have.
0: Yeah, the whole list is on my blog, by the way. It started with dot KDrama.com. I have a whole tab called What I've Watched. I know a lot of people use my drama list to keep track of all the dramas they've watched, but I've never used that. So if you ever want to see where I started, I have that broken down actually by the dates that I watched, which is kind of more for myself to go back and look and see what I was watching, how long it took me to watch dramas, especially the ones that I saw I binge watched and you know, less than 24 hours, <laughs> then I know those were the ones I definitely loved more than the others.
1: Yeah, let's see what other ones that I watched that stood out. Because a couple that I had seen and I don't remember watching them, which isn't good. Um, I did watch uh, Beating Again. I did do a review on Andra's site. That was pretty good. Oh, was-
0: that's also known as uh, Falling for Sung June." And there was another, another different title too. I know when it went on Netflix, they called it "Beating Again." Yeah. So you may know it as a different title.
1: Most of my K drama watching is done on Netflix. However, Andre was so kind to share uh, Drama Fever and Vicky with me on our Roku. So now I have more opportunity to watch things. Far too much to watch, in fact, now. <laughs> Uh, let's see what else did I watch? Well, the big one that we both watched and that we we're like enamored by is Descendants of the Sun. It blew my mind. Everything about it, the cinematography, of course the script itself, the um the plot was good. A little painful in parts, but it wasn't the type of pain that again, Boys Over Flower did to me. That that's, that's trauma. That's trauma. Um so I had a really good time watching that one. I also watched uh, D-Day, I believe that's what it's called. Yes,
0: that was the natural disaster where there's this huge earthquake in Seoul.
1: Yeah, that was really, really good. I liked that a lot. That one I binge-watched within an entire, like, two days, I think. And that was
0: with uh, Kim Kwang Young and uh, Jung So-min.
1: If that's their names, I... I should probably yes. Just so you know, <laughs> I am bad with names. This is something I should also mention. It's not that I have anything against the actors. It's just that my brain does not work up with names. I don't remember my own name half the time. So, by all means, if I blank on names, I am sorry. <sighs> um, I'm trying to think of anything else I've seen lately, like up to this point. Um, no. But lately, I did just watch Busted. I only, I watched the entire, all the episodes on Netflix. Andrew's only seen the first one. I really want her to watch the second episode. It's hilarious. Like, I cannot express how, like, amused I am by it. It's the first time I watched something with, like, a variety show. And it's interesting because all the characters actually are the actor and actresses' real names. Which, it's really funny. And there's some guest stars that I know of. So, it's really, really cool. So I suggest you check that out, and as soon as Andrea watches all the episodes, we can discuss it into more depth. Yeah, I
0: actually watched the first episode last weekend. Tiff actually joined me on my business trip to Washington, D.C. So as we were on the three-hour bus ride, which ended up turning into a much longer trip, which we'll get into later, but I actually decided, okay... We have time to kill, so I'm actually going to go and watch Bust It. on the bus. And let's just say, as far as, you know, comedy and variety, I've only seen bits and pieces of Running Man. I saw a little bit of We Got Married. But overall, this was the first time that I really went all in into one. And I just have to say, if, you know, you kind of like the whole, like, murder mystery but it's kind of funny and you know the characters are just so crazy and out there and the entire setup of it was so funny that there were some scenes where I don't know how I wasn't laughing out loud on the bus I was literally you know covering my mouth and doubled over in my seats and actually having to pause the episode because I just couldn't recover I was laughing that hard. So, that was one episode, and there's ten episodes total. So, I'm thinking if the series follows suits with the same style that it did in the first episode, then I'm gonna love it. Plus, it also has our giraffe Lee Kuang Soo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait until you continue watching. The shenanigans that he gets into... I'll say two words, water balloons. I was just dead on the floor.
0: I just, I, I don't know how I kept it together, especially because when you're on a full bus full of people.
1: I was laughing and I, I'm oh no one called me out on it. It's like, I've seen the episode before, but I'm watching it over her shoulder because I'm sitting behind her in the, the seats behind her and I'm just there like chuckling. I'm just like, oh no, here it is again. That segment was, like, by far the best part of the entire episode. Because they just could not get their crap together at all.
0: (laughs) It was. It's definitely fun. Especially if you haven't tried a variety series and you're really not sure what to get into. Busted is actually, you know, a pretty great place to start because it's only 10 episodes. They're all available now on Netflix. And it's actually been renewed for a second season. So you have plenty of time between seasons to actually catch up, which I hopefully plan to do by the next time our next podcast rolls around. So we could actually talk about Busted, the characters, and the story. But actually for this first podcast, our main point we wanted to talk about is what's wrong with Secretary Kim. So we already have four episodes that have already aired So definitely, spoiler alert, we are going to talk about the characters, we're going to talk about things in detail that have actually happened. So if you haven't watched any of the episodes and you don't want to be spoiled, you know, you might want to skip over this part because we're going to go into details and we're not holding back. Because what's wrong with Secretary Kim is actually... The first drama that we're kind of watching at the same time while it's currently airing. Because usually up until this point, Tiff has been watching completed dramas on Netflix. And binge watching them pretty much all at one point. So this is kind of a new experience for her where she only gets two episodes a week. It's painful! I need more! (laughs) So anyway, what's wrong with Secretary Kim... The main premise of the story is we have this secretary and she has worked for the main character, the president, Lee Young-Joon, who is played by Park Se-Joon. And oh my gosh, I'm loving him in this role. I actually not long ago finished Fight My Way. And if you've seen that, just the differences that his character has taken you know because in that one in Fight My Way you know he was like really kind of poor not really that confident and you know he was a fighter so here we have him kind of as the polished boss and he's so arrogant and narcissistic and over nine years he's come to rely so much on secretary kim and it's to the point that they're kind of working in like perfect tandem you know she is the yin to his yang and everything works perfectly until you learn in the first episode where she drops a bombshell on him that she wants to quit and it's really humorous i think because there's so many things and reasons that Lee young Jun thinks that she's leaving. And it's comical because, you know, he thinks that she's in love with him. And it's, it's really not the case. You know, he's so vain that he thinks that's the reason. So once he actually discovers that the reason that she's leaving is, you know, she's helped her family. You know, she's got her sisters through college. She's paid her dad's debt. You know, all those loans are paid off. And, you know, now she's like, yay, I can focus on me. And she's like, I just spent nine years, you know, as the secretary to this, you know, crazy narcissist. Don't get me wrong. Young Jun can be nice at times. And he does seem to dote on uh, Kim Miso in some ways. But he is definitely, I don't know what's the word I want to use for it. I don't
1: know. <sighs> um, but yes, his narcissism is a level of narcissism I have never seen in another character. I mean, I've seen, you know, just really fool themselves. but he is convinced he has an aura. He even asked her if he's blinding. And she thought he meant the sunlight. <laughs> no, he meant himself because <laughs> this man checks himself out in the mirror. Yeah, and her. he checks himself out in a window there was a scene where they're at a party and there was this group of women and they thought that he was gonna come over and talk to them but nope he goes right to this big window and he checks himself out you know <laughs> And he's really getting into it and really admiring
0: himself. Like, yeah, I'm really a good-looking guy, and, and I know it. And that, like, narcissism
1: in a level... It's not even good-looking. Like, he says that he is perfect. Yeah. That is a level of narcissism, as I said before, I've never seen in our character. And it's just hilarious how he is convinced that. The reason why she's in love with him is because why wouldn't she be in love with him? He's perfect! That's his excuse for everything. And just the, the way he... Comes up with these crazy assumptions. Like, it's hilarious. He really is. He's kind of childlike in that, too. Where he's convinced that everything s- surrounds him, that he's like the center of the, the- universe. Mm hmm. Yeah. And he has a friend who works at the company, um, Park You Sick. He is a director, and he's
0: a bit of a crackpot. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I'd be wanting to take advice from him. His three,
1: six, nine-year nine rule. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to relationships, he's convinced that um, if you hit any of those uh, year milestones, that your relationship is going to pot. His reference is, of course, his failed marriage. But then again, you see how he treated his ex-wife. Um, it had all to do with the fact that he was being a complete imbecile. But it was just really funny since when he heard that it was nine years they were working together, he's like, Oh, that's what it must be. He's like, No. But yeah, so he, he like, uh, Young Jun comes to uh, use sick a lot about things, <laughs> and it just makes everything worse. Everything goes bad. It
0: does. Because then Young Jun's like, Oh, it's been nine years oh no, this is a bad year. We gotta do something here to get Secretary Kim to stay. Because obviously he can't live without her. Because, you know, she's pretty much been his mother for nine years at the company waiting on his hand and foot. Exactly.
1: She has to steer him in the right direction all the time. She ties his tie every day. She basically has become, like, telepathically connected to him that she just knows exactly what he wants and she has all this stuff that he might need in her purse because this man calls her at any time during the day or night including on weekends she is basically at his beck and call at all times and she did not take an entire vacation or a weekend off in the whole nine years that she has been working for this guy like i'm surprised she didn't leave sooner I
0: know, and even in her purse, she carries all these men things that young Mm -hmm. June may need if the uh, situation arises, which is crazy, because then her sisters see that and they're like, oh, that's something someone who's married or in a relationship.
1: Yeah, I had mentioned that before, but yeah, it's really... It's just really kind of sad that she's had to pretty much dedicate her entire life around his wants and needs. Like, if he's been drinking, she has to drive him home. So, you can't blame her. Because what she really wants, after these nine years of servitude, is to date, to get married, to have children. She wants to have a... Normal life. Yes, a normal life. And working for... Um, Young Joon there is no normality there is no life her life is his life basically and when she tells him this he doesn't like it at all there was a point where she had like told him off like really told him off through text
0: messages yeah like it
1: wasn't even in person it was like it, angry text messages it was savage and emojis it was and
0: she's like unleashing unleashing nine years of <laughs> pen up anger and frustration towards him and it is like so comical mm-hmm, but savage
1: like she really lays into him about it but in a very mature way to do it because she could have just called him every name in the book but she didn't But it was just nice that she got it out, but he seemed pretty flagellated from it. Oh my gosh, and then
0: that whole dramatic situation took a comedic return because her sister's trying to get her to send send a heart emoji, and she accidentally sends it to Young June after this whole big ordeal's gone down, and he's like, what's going on now? Mm -hmm. And Miso's mortified, and she doesn't know what to do, and... You know, what? It, it's so awkward the next day when they go into the office. and I think what, it took a good day or
1: two for them to kind of awkwardly skirt past that. Yeah, because she tried to, like, apologize, and he told her to not talk about personal things at work. And you could tell he was pretty unhappy with her. But then he goes from, you know, being chastised, and then what does he do but talk to his buddy... And he decides to take her out on a date. But it's important to note, she has no idea it's a date. Exactly.
0: And she doesn't
1: even think that she's meeting Young June. Yeah, because uh, Yusik actually asked her out to meet him at this amusement park. And boy, boy, was she surprised when Young Jun shows up and he had rented out the entire amusement park. And made her go on lots of roller coasters, which she did not like at all, because all he thinks about is what he likes. Yes, he's so self-centered.
0: I don't think he's a bad person. He's just honestly focuses on himself and doesn't really think about others, which is obviously a big issue because she hates roller coasters and she never once thought, oh, hey, you know, what rides do you want to go on? But that whole time, she never complained or said a word, you know. She just followed along, because she's like, because you wanted to. You know, she followed suit, which I actually thought was a really nice thing, and a great moment, I guess, showing her character that, you know, she's willing to, I guess, do things she doesn't want to do, you know, kind of take one for the
1: team, and She's very supportive of Young June. Far too supportive. That's the problem. <laughs> she has let him uh, run amok with his idiosyncrasies. <laughs> and to be fair, Niso's
0: never dated before, and neither has Young June. So, as this whole night at the amusement park is slowly unfolding, it's just getting, you know, more comical by the turn. She's, you know, the only thing she wants to go on is the carousel. Because, you know, when she was a little girl, she never got to go on it. So she's just on that carousel, and she's just riding it over and over again, and she's all smiles, but she can't get young June to go on it. And I don't remember what it, what was his reason for not going on? I guess, I don't know if he found it too childish, or just... And he's just like, I'll just stand back here and, and watch you and, and admire your smile. And you kind of, I think I start to. F- f- seems like at that moment, that you know, the way he's watching her smile and he's smiling, you sort of see like a moment where he's like showing emotion. And you kind of start to wonder if maybe he does. Like her to some degree, but of course he's obviously not aware of it because on the
1: surface he's this huge narcissist. mm
0: mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, um, trying to think, some other parts of that episode. Yeah, he had the fireworks for her, which she saw was great. Oh, I know what we forgot to mention. The reason why he even set up all the stuff that dates is that she was at a restaurant with some friends. And he had the restaurant give them questionnaires. <laughs> yeah, I almost forgot about this. And on um, this questionnaire, it's asking, like, if. I'm going to paraphrase this because I cannot recall offhand the exact. Where it's basically um, if she could go on a date with someone she'd like, where would she go? What would she do? What would she want? Things you know, like that. Where would she like to eat? What? All
0: those kind of basic first date questions, questions and
1: but yeah, so he does them the amusement park, um, the fireworks. And then the last one of the questions is that she would get a big doll. Of course, our idea of a doll is like a, you know, like a a baby doll or a personal doll. For her, a doll is actually a big stuffed animal. And then, of course, it would be a goodnight kiss. Well, as he leans in to go in for this kiss, she puts the doll, which is a big cow. It's the... <laughs> Work hard, something cow, they call it. Because there's a pun. Um, <laughs> oh that I think the word cow and working hard had similar words or pronunciations. Like, I can see the subtitles on my head, but it's not fully clicking. But it's really cute that cow's adorable. And she has. He leans in to kiss her, and then she puts the cow at his face so that he doesn't kiss her. Yeah. <laughs> Real awkward. And then, you know, she's trying to. And then she run like, home. Yeah, pretty much darts into her apartment. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. And then when she's inside her apartment, she finds a box inside the pouch on the, the cow doll, and it's this really pretty necklace. And, of course, she's, like, freaking out. Like, why is this here? And then she asks him, and apparently the necklace was actually for her, and he knew that was there because he put it there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's really funny. Yeah. And
0: see, another reason that he's actually doing the first date thing is he does doesn't want to lose secretary kim so when he finds out that she actually you know wants to get married and have a family and have this normal life he's like oh you can marry me so not like oh let's get married together it's like oh i'll give you the privilege of marrying me (laughs) you know that level of narcissism i know i say that word a lot but no, he
1: is so narcissistic. That is who he is. He is the <laughs> narcissist. Yeah. So then um he's talking with his buddy and he's like, "Oh, marriage is like you have to first start dating." So then that's why he start gets onto the the dating thing where it's like, you know, you got to work up to it. And we should mention that like his mother pretend to be joking about um miso marrying uh young June, but She's quite serious. They would really like her, and him to get married because he does not like other women. Like even when there's a celebrity chick that's like all over him, yeah, he does model. not like it. He does not like it. And of course, his mother's asking, "Is he?" She's no, he's not gay. <laughs> She's like freaking out. Yeah. Like, did I miss something here? Yeah, and they're freaking out because you know he's in charge of the company. You know, lower one like lower level than his father and like oh no and then of course his father's pretending to have heart trouble because they want grandchildren but um we kind of get a bit of a glimpse of why he's not good with women i really don't want to keep spoiling everything but go out there we put the spoiler disclaimer sorry guys from these nightmares that he's having when he was a young child he was abducted by a mentally unstable woman at least what she comes off to be and he was bound by his ankles maybe his wrists. when I was looking at the video I I didn't really pay attention to his hands as much as I saw that his feet were bound and uh, and there's a, a segment where he had injured his ankle after they did a sports competition for the company. And you see these scars on his ankle, and it's about the same width as a cable tie, which we actually find out he has a huge phobia of them. He, like, freaks out yeah. badly. The the uh, woman that's replacing um, Miso had put cable ties on, I believe it was the monitor cable, so that it wouldn't be over the place. And when he saw it, he just had like a mini mental breakdown. And we see a flashback of that had happened with me. So that she had done that and he freaked out and she went, you know, had to cut the cable ties and take them out. Because she had warned the girl replacing her, do not have cable ties. But she forgot. She's having issues readjusting to working. Not readjust, but adjusting period to this new workplace because um young is a cruel taskmaster <laughs> and but you can tell that he's purposely making things harder than it is because he really wants to make it sound as if the new girl is so incompetent that miso has to stay and in fact he even told the new girl to pretend that she's even going to be hired because he doesn't want her to stay
0: yeah for like a month
1: just pretend. Like, yeah. Just pretend that you're actually going to be employed here. Mm -hmm. But yeah, getting back to that. So, from what we see, he was abducted. He was, of course, psychologically scarred by this. And he has PTSD or PTSS, however you want to call it. So, I would imagine that he has uh, gynophobia, which is fear of women, because of his traumatic experience and this... I have a feeling it has also to also do with his older brother. His older brother is, I think, about two years older than him. And they have a really bad relationship. Like, a really, really bad one. To the point where they actually got into a fist fight. In the, uh, I think it was the fourth episode. Yeah, it was
0: the fourth episode.
1: Yeah. Um, a little bit about the older brother. His name is, um, Sung And he is a famous author called Morpheus. And, like, no one's ever seen him. But, um, Miso wants to get what's called a book concert at the new art center because they're trying to open it earlier than another place is for competition. And she's trying to get a hold of them so they could do that, but she has no idea that it's the brother. And they've actually ran into each other twice. And, like, that's a whole hot mess. And now, of course, the trope is where, you know, you got two brothers vying for one woman, and that's what's going on right now. So that's going to be a mess. And I really do believe that he is involved with whatever happened to uh, Young Jun. Like, I don't know if like the woman was actually targeting the older brother or maybe he lost Young June in like a park or somewhere. But there's, and plus he used to like bully Young Joon a lot when they were kids because Young June is very, very intelligent. He actually skipped two grades, was in the same grade as his brother. So there's a lot of animosity and like his brother is a bit of a, conceded individuals too, where he's like, oh, yeah, I'm willing to forgive you. But I'm pretty sure that it should be the other way around, where
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's the brother that needs to be forgiven and not um, Young June. But yeah, I'm trying to think there's any other, like, main points from the first four episodes. So before, us just a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of Young June just going off on these crazy ideas of how things are supposed to be going, and that's just not anywhere near what's really going on. And like, it's really addicting. Like, I watched all four episodes yesterday instead of doing housework I was just watching right through. So that's when you know that I really like something if I blow my entire day on (laughs) the TV instead of doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't think there's anything else worth forgetting.
0: Mm. And There's also uh, one of the things that I wanted to mention is Miso has this book from her childhood and, you know, there was this, this older boy, her opa, that apparently they were friends and close with. And I kind of have this sneaking suspicion that it could possibly be young June, because we actually do learn that in, he has some memory loss. He doesn't remember a lot that happened during the time that he was abducted and a lot of his youth. So I'm kind of wondering if perhaps Young June could be Miso's opa from that time because she still has this book and, you know, she wants she still wants to find him. And cause the thing is, she was young. She could never remember his name even then because I remember there was a little flashback scene. And she couldn't remember his name. And to this day, she still can't remember his name.
1: Yeah, she knows his surname is Lee, which is the patronymic name for Young June. But that is, like, just as, like, his first name is being said, she wakes up and she just doesn't remember. So that's why I'm
0: kind of curious if maybe this is why Young June might be naturally more comfortable about her around her that maybe some part of him recognizes her i mean i guess it still doesn't explain why he is terrified of all other women but will allow you know miso to like grab his hand or you know to make his tie and kind of be close and you know there's close calls where like she ends up on top of him and you know he ends up on top of her and it's like Verging on like kissing and touching, so I'm kind of curious to see what actually happens, especially with his phobia. The woman, I'm not sure how deep that goes, but that time that um, the other secretary in training, uh, or no, it wasn't Gia, it was the other girl in the office, it was Sarah she yeah, was she's, that uh, where they were out doing karaoke and she was drunk as a skunk yeah she was just is, making a fool out of herself and she literally ends up falling into young June's lap and he's like ready to completely lose it
1: and like he's like get her off of me mhm so then a couple of the co-workers that were at the little drinking party had to drag her away and out of the karaoke area, yeah, that was bad. Apparently, they had taken video of it and played it for, her and she was humiliated.
0: Yeah, and she couldn't believe that you know she did the thing she did. But let's just say, even not drunk, she's not exactly the nicest no. person. You know, she kind of has her own agenda. When she finds out Secretary Kim is leaving, she's all of a sudden trying to make nice with her because she wants to claim her position. But I don't know how she would ever deal
1: with, you know, young June. She would never survive. Yeah, even the new girl that actually is replacing her, I don't see her surviving at all. Plus, knowing how these K-dramas go, she's not going to leave in the end anyway. Or if she does, it's going to be as his wife or significant other. But who knows? Maybe they'll give us something out of left field. That's like a unwritten rule with K-dramas. There's always going to be something coming out of that field that you're not going to expect.
0: Yeah, like, aren't they... Wasn't it mentioned, it might have been in the fourth episode briefly, or they could have mentioned it earlier, where uh, Miso's family is, like, trying to set her up on blind dates. So I wonder if, you know, this could lead to her and Young June pretending to be, like, dating. Because I have a feeling they're not going to go well at all. And... I just kind of wonder if it's going to take that K-drama trope turn where they pretend to be fake dating and grow closer. Because obviously something has to give that.
1: Yeah, well, what I suspect what's going to happen, K-drama trope, is that the older brother is going to start pursuing her because it already shows that he is interested in her. He asked her for her number. She gave him a fake number. But he knows her name. He knows that she works... For Young June. So I can tell that there's going to be them beating the crap out of each other again. So that's what I'm seeing right now. I swear it's going to be where he's going to date her for a while and it's going to drive Young June up the wall and over it probably.
0: But we will see. Yeah, the mistake that Young June made is. You know, him being so protective over Secretary Kim and trying to hide her from the older brother. Then all of a sudden, you know, now he's really intrigued because he's like, oh, you're hiding a woman from me and you do not want this person to
1: associate with me. So, of course, he's naturally going to want to pursue her even more. Yeah, he's a womanizer, today as he talks about three favorite things and women is one of them. wine and there's another one. So... Yeah, he has maybe. ill intentions for Army, so.
0: Was the other one writing, maybe? Probably. Like three W's. Most likely. Writing Wine and Women,
1: something like that. Because he likes being lives. in France, so. Yeah, because he
0: was actually abroad for two years and, you know, just came back, and.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, it's a whole bunch of Kenny worms plus a family. They keep talking about the incident, which I said before, we're pretty sure is the kidnapping, abduction, whatever you want to call it. So, has yeah, a lot of complicated parts to this.
0: But surprisingly, for the most part, it's actually lighter. For the most part, because it is, you know, billed as a rom com. So, you know, there is a lot of the more playfulness, you know, the humor, all these quirky, romantic elements that are slowly slowly starting to emerge because we know romances unfold very very slowly in k dramas you know you usually don't get that coveted kiss until episode 9 when you're already halfway through the series
1: or later Mm -hmm.
0: depending on the characters knowing that they are so I actually think other than that we're both actually really enjoying this series and so far it's been fun each episode's like an hour and some odd minutes long So you get a really good feel for the story, you get enough going on in the hour where it's not too much. Because, you know, there are some dramas out there that are like almost an hour and a half an episode, and some people don't have that attention span, but luckily I have to say the story is, you know, moving forward. It doesn't stall a lot, there's kind of always new, quirky, crazy things happening. Especially to poor Miso, who's, she honestly thinks, you know, when this month is up and she's done training Gia, that she's done. And, you know, here, secretly, behind the scenes, young June is already working on all these things to make her stay. So, I think I'm most looking forward to seeing his major plan and how he actually gets her to stay. Or who knows? Maybe he can't make her stay. And maybe she ends up leaving after the month. Who knows? I don't... She decides to move somewhere and pursue a whole new dream. I don't know, because she's never really, career-wise, I don't think she's really talked about a dream. I know in personal life, you know, she wants, you know, the kids, the family, the normal life. But I don't think we've had too much about what she really wants to do professionally. We know she loves to read, but other than those. I guess it's really up in the air and we don't know where it's going. But all we know is that we love it and we've been, you know, talking about it a lot, which is probably bad. We should have saved, probably saved some of it for the podcast.
1: Oh, we were trying to do it for the podcast, but we've been having technical issues. Uh, apparently, this microphone does not work on Windows 10. We tried.
0: Yes, epic fail.
1: So, we're using my 10-year-old desktop that runs on Windows Vista. And
0: hey, what do you know? It works like a charm, so we're going <laughs> to run with it until I get a backup laptop with something older than Windows 10. I mean, younger. run this, yeah.
1: Younger than Windows 10. Yeah. I'm just laughing that we have to use my very nearly dead desktop. I had, unfortunately, had to uh, send my Windows 7 laptop to the scrap heap in the sky because it died, and I have a Windows 10 laptop, too, and it just doesn't work. So, I had to go fire up this old thing. So, after any weird sounds, it probably is because this computer is so old, and it's barely pulling together, but, so far, it's behaving. And
0: we're just thankful that we're actually able to finally do the podcast, after, you know, so much planning, and so much technological fails, and everything working against us.
1: So, yay, we're actually doing this weekend podcast like we wanted to.
0: Yeah. Our maiden voyage, which
1: we know it'll kind of be
0: messy and all over the place because we kind of just had a basic outline of just some of the things we wanted to talk about and to actually get used to talking about them. And there is only two of us, so, you know, we'll kind of see how it goes, but, you know, maybe we'll have guest speakers or if anyone ever wants to join in on the fun, we're always glad to have you.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's
0: see. Do we have anything else on our little agenda? Uh, let's end with our... We'll end with one more final segment where we'll talk about our scene of the week with Secretary Kim. Okay? Uh... I'm thinking what my favorite... We'll talk story. about... Let's do the the either the third or fourth episode, since they just aired on
1: Wednesday and Thursday. I gotta think. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, okay. My scene of the week is where he had a fight with... Okay, uh, Young Joon had a fight with his brother. Um, so he goes over to Secretary Kim's place. Which shocked her because he's at her door. And her apartment is a mess. Like, everything is just strewn everywhere, including her unmentionables. So she goes and tells him to wait, like, two minutes outside. So she's cleaning everything up. She sticks her unmentionables underneath the cow doll. (laughs) Who's face down into her bed. So it's like, you know right away. It's so obvious something's being hidden. And so he's in there, and, um, she makes him ramen. Yeah, because she has one egg yeah. left. Because he had scared her. Yeah, no, he didn't come to her door. No, like, he, like, showed up behind her when she was walking back from the mm-hmm. the mart or wherever she went. Yeah, because it looked like he was going to leave at first. Then. Yeah, and then he sees her, scares her, she drops her eggs. She and only one surviving egg. Anyway, so she makes him ramen. And, um... So he's in her bedroom area looking through things and he gets to her bed and he's about to lift up the cow and she just runs from the kitchen area and lands on top of him. (laughs) It's just like, oh man, like I was, it's like, that's a really personal place to like land on because she had landed on him before, but this is her bed now. And mm-hmm. her a much or below the cow. Yeah,
0: and they're <laughs> like face and face, like literally on the verge of like kissing, and you can see they're both having like this. <gasps> is yeah. this really happening? Kind of. Hmm. Kind of awkward moment, but there's definitely. UST, not, my friend. Yeah, UST. Yeah, yeah.
1: There's not platonic feelings in that scene. No, you can definitely tell that there's some sexual attraction. So that is my scene of the week.
0: I think my favorite scene of the week from What's Wrong With Secretary Kim is when they both ended up going to the art center and the power went out. And it went out while they were in the library. And at first they were kind of sitting there, you know, talking for a bit and then they decide, oh, let's just try and leave. So they start to leave <clears throat> and Miso, she's using the... the... the flashlight on her phone to kind of navigate through and Young June's kind of like falling behind and she's like, you know, come on and She ends up kind of like starting to grab his hand and she kind of freezes because like she even knows that He's not into personal contact and you know, she kind of pulls away and then he actually grabs her hand and while that was really cutesy and fun the thing that really got to me was he ends up taking her phone with the flashlight, and he's holding it, and he decides, okay, I'm gonna get us out of here. So they start walking, and, you know, Miso's like, oh, we need to go this way. He's like, no, we need to go this way. So he goes, and he actually ends up leading them to a dead end. And oh my gosh, just his whole reaction, we're like, oops, did I do that? And she's like, and then Misa was like, well, how about someone who's more familiar with the layout of the building actually gets us out of here? And so then she finally leads them to the correct exit. But I think for me that definitely was, I think, the scene of the week. Especially because, you know, they were holding hands and it was definitely not a platonic thing. And it's in the dark. And then it takes a comedic turn when, oh yeah, he leads them to a dead end. You know, only young June, who is so overconfident, and, you know, thinks he knows everything. But, yeah, I'm a man. I know exactly which path to exit the art center that I'm not familiar with. But I naturally know where to go. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, for me, that was definitely my scene of the week.
1: Alright, do we have any other topics that we want to bring up, or have we come to the end of our segments?
0: I think we've reached the end of our maiden voyage. Oops. Tiff did not mute her phone, No, Tiff
1: did not! (laughs) Mea culpa. Okay, so... If you made this far, we must have done something right. Thank you for watching and supporting our podcast. If anyone has any suggestions for future segments or recommendations for other shows to watch... Please feel free to leave us a comment on the blog. It started with a kdrama.com. Until next time, onion Not to confuse onion, Jane. Bye.